0: Amen. What a thought. You may be seated tonight. Good to see you here on Wednesday night. And isn't it good tonight that we can know that we're complete in Christ? You know, the world wants us to know tonight that uh, they want us to think tonight that we've got to have all that they offer and all that they think we need to have and all they say we need to have, but we find completeness in Christ, in Christ alone. By the way, that's not just for salvation. We find what we need to be complete in Christ I don't know about you, but the last year, I have had a lot of things go incomplete. Uh, This disruption of all that we've been living through in the past few months uh, has left several things lacking in my life, and I have to make to-do lists now to remind me to look at the to-do list of things that I need to do, and oftentimes, many of those to-dos don't get done, but I'm glad tonight that my salvation was complete in Christ and Christ alone, because I assure you, if it was up to me to get done, it wouldn't get done. Uh, I would forget about it. I'm thankful it's complete. It's all said and done through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross And that's it. Isn't it good tonight? Uh, There may be a lot of other things I may not get done between here and eternity But my salvation is taken care of through Christ. What a privilege that is to know tonight Take your Bibles out if you could or if you would turn to the book of Lamentations We've been there for a while now As we look at some lessons from lamentations And uh, we're going to be continuing that on Wednesday nights here just for a little while I do appreciate you coming out on a rainy Wednesday night It's always good to see you in your place Glad to have our people tuning in by live stream as well And I appreciate you coming, taking the time uh, to lift up others on our prayer list tonight A lot of people in need of prayer A lot of burdens need bearing And uh, you know the Bible says in Galatians that when we bear one another's burdens We're fulfilling the law of Christ Isn't that good? Fulfilling the law of Christ, you know when you come to church and we look at the prayer list boy I was looking at this a little while ago and uh, my goodness We have a lot of names on there and people that uh, we should want to pray for and I hope when you look at that prayer list You don't look at it as obligations. I hope you look at it as opportunities You know, you're always looking for some way we can serve God, and Lord, what can I do right now? Is there anything that I can do? We've got a lot of needs in the church. There is a whole list of needs and something you can do, and that's bearing the burdens of those in our church that have needs in their lives. So I hope that you look at those and see them as an opportunity and look forward to coming on Wednesday night because it's a privilege that we have to come and pray for one another uh, that not everybody has. I was talking to uh, Brother Nick Driscoll today. And I believe Miss Becky And uh, he's just itching to get back to church He wants to get back to church And looks forward to be back here with God's people So if you are able to be here tonight Thank the Lord for that privilege And take full advantage of the opportunity uh, Helping bear the burdens of those that have need tonight Lamentations chapter number one We've been here for a few weeks now And I told you that we're going to just walk through The book of Lamentations Now, not the most exciting book to walk through Uh, It's a book about grief It's a book about sorrow But it should be an exciting book for us Tonight, because the book of Lamentations will show us what we are headed toward if we don't learn the lessons from Lamentations. So, obviously, we're looking at those, and I cannot imagine a more timely time in the history of the United States of America for God's people to try to learn from the mistakes of other people who have gone through and and what we're going through right now. So, Lamentations chapter number one, uh, we're going to start back in verse number one. Uh, We've made it through one verse so far. I hope to pick up the pace a little bit, or the Lord's going to come back before we get through the book, okay? We've got to learn these lessons before the Lord comes back or uh, it'll all be for naught, okay? Verse number one, Lamentations chapter one, the Bible says, how doth the city sit solitary? That was full of people. How is, the Bible says, she become as a widow, exclamation point. She that was great among the nations and princes princes among the provinces, how has she become tributary? We left off there last week. Now, pick up in verse 2. This is where the message will come from tonight. She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become enemies I think that's about as far as we're going to get to go tonight in the preaching let's stop and pray together and ask God to help us Father God thank you tonight for the privilege to come to your house and Lord to hear just a great list of needs tonight that we have the privilege to bear uh, for others thank you for answered prayer Lord thank you for the lookout tonight and be able to see those who have been going through struggles and yet Lord you've blessed them to be able to come here And, Lord, I pray that you'd be with each and every one that was mentioned. Help us do our part in in lifting them up to you. We pray your grace, Lord, be sufficient in their lives. And we pray tonight as we come to you to open up your word, I pray we would learn these lessons tonight from Lamentations. You've preserved them here for us. Help us, Father, Lord, to take it to heart, learn from it, and then live by it when we leave here. And I pray your will be done, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm not going to go over the entire backstory again, but ultimately the book of Lamentations, as we have talked about, is the aftermath of apathy, okay? It's the aftermath of apathy when God's people no longer care enough about the things of God, that God has to allow things to come into our lives, things to come into our country, as we're seeing right now, and we're having to live out the lessons that we wouldn't learn by just taking God at his word. Now, how often would our lives be different our homes be different, and how much less grief and struggle and lamentations will we have in our life if we just took God at his word and we just listened to them. Now, we look at our children, and our children do this all the time. They do things we tell them not to. I mentioned to you last week, you know, they put things in their mouth or they eat things they're not supposed to eat. Uh, they, They try to get things they think they want, and we tell them they don't want them. And finally, we let them have them, and they find out it was not as good as they thought it was. Uh, You've seen the video on social media, the little kid who just thought he needed a spoonful of Hershey's chocolate powder. You've seen that video. You know, it's Hershey's. It's chocolate. It's good. And you're thinking, boy, I want some of that. And the boy's mom kept telling him, you don't want that. It's no good. And the boy's, yeah, I want that. So finally his mom did what a good mom would do. She let him have a little bit of a teaspoon of that stuff. And he scooped him up a, a heap and helping of Hershey's cocoa powder. And he puts it in his mouth. His face contorts all which away, and he spits it out. And I'll just about promise you that child will never crave that again. Why? Because finally his mom let him have what he thought that he needed. I mean, she told him that he didn't need, and he got it and realized he didn't like it. He's never going to crave that again. What is that? His face was lamenting. Ooh, that's horrible. I didn't want that. Now, he could have just took his mom's word, couldn't he? He could have just listened to her that he didn't want that. Finally it was best for him to get what he thought he needed to have a taste of what that was like For him to appreciate the fact that he really didn't want it at all What we're reading in the book of lamentations is what happens when God's people are apathetic Or were careless about what God says And God says finally if you're not going to listen to what I say about sin If you're not going to believe what I tell you about sin Then I'm going to let you experience what sin will do Now watch this, God has allowed us to have the record of these people and what they went through for us to read and to learn by, all right? You should go home and show your children uh, the video of that young man eating the chocolate so maybe they won't have to eat it one day, but you know what? Sooner or later, they may decide they have to try it for themselves, and they can go through the same torture and torment that young man did by eating the cocoa powder. And we're thinking, why would they do that? The same reason we sin. We don't take the record of God's word, of what other people went through, that God took the painstaking task of preserving for us in his word. You know, God went through a lot of trouble to make sure we could have this book. All throughout history, this book has been tried to be destroyed by dictators and despots, and yet God has preserved this for us. Why? For our admonition. I'm going to repeat that over and over again. God preserved this for us that we might have direction for our lives, our homes, and our nation. And yet we refuse to learn from it by listening and taking heed to it. Therefore, because God is a just God, God's going to let us learn the same way other people learned. That's why we have the book of Lamentations. God says, I want you to look and see exactly what happened to them, and hopefully you will not have to live it out for yourself. And yet sometimes we only believe in bought experience, don't we? I want to say the best experience is bought experience. This may be true, someone said one time, experience is a good school teacher, but the fees are very high. It's a great school to go to. It's like the Ivy Leagues. When you go up there, it's the Harvards, man. It's the Yales. It's a great school, experience is, but the tuition is astronomical. Now, this is God's perfect, inerrant, inspired word, all right? There, we don't have to read through here and glean truth out of it. It's all truth. He says, thy word is truth, all right? So we can take this at its word. You know, we hear those wives' tales. You know, if you chew on this for a little while, it'll take away, you know, an upset stomach. Or, you know, if we, uh, you run around in circles backwards around your car 15 times, heartburn will go away. And you hear all of those things, and you're like, ah, I'm just not sure about that. Some of it you got to sift through, Okay? That everything on the internet is not true You've got to sift through it to find truth in there There's some every once in a while But it's hard pressed to get it off the internet This is truth And when we read Lamentations We're reading what happened to a group of people Who did not take God's word About what sin will do in their lives And therefore they lived out the effects Of what they could have learned If they just took God at his word God says watch this I love you so much I'm going to write down a record of what happened to them And I'm gonna write down an explicit detail of exactly how they felt, and perhaps, perhaps we will be smart enough to take God at His word that we won't have to go through the same lamentations that they're going through. Now, what are the lessons of lamentations that we've learned thus far? Verse one, the Bible says she sits solitary. The first message we preached on was the lesson of loneliness it's lonely without God, she's by herself. She's all alone. The Bible says she's become a widow. She was great among the nations, and now she's become tributary. That was the second lesson, the lesson of lowliness. Without God, you're going to be lonely. Without God, you're going to be brought lowly. And it's better to, to be bowed down low than to be brought down low because of sin. And yet, that's the lesson they're learning. Now, verse number two, we're going to see the third lesson. And it really begins to illustrate what lamentations looks like and what it means to lament. That's not a word we use often, is it? I don't know that I've heard it really from anybody's mouth in a long time, lament. What does it mean to lament? And you look it up, and we kind of really pair that up with the word crying, and we think it means crying, but, uh, you know, when you get in the Word of God, you realize that God has a deeper meaning than just crying. God's not interested in us just shedding a few tears about our sin. You know, we grieve about a lot of things. Uh, We grieve about missing a deer on a deer stand, don't we? I'm not going to ask you men or ladies to raise your hand. But I'll bet you there's some people in this room who've missed the buck of a lifetime hunting uh, and you shot and you missed and you cried about it and it took two hours extra to get home because you didn't want your wife to see your puffy face and your red eyes because you cried. I'm not going to ask you, but we cry over those things. We cry when our team loses a ball game. We cry when our team gets beat by the rival team. Now, we won't want to admit it, but we do. We cry about fictional characters on television that die. Don't we? I love your smiles. Your smiles are saying, guilty, 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 all right? I used to hear a preacher, You used to say, smile, and we won't know it's you. But when you smile, that means I know it's you, okay? I'm guilty? Do we think that God is trying to get us to feel about sin the same way we feel about a fictional character dying on television? I don't think so. I think God wants us to feel something a little bit deeper than what we feel when Bambi dies. Why? We cry when Bambi dies, but that goes away in a few minutes, or I hope it does. If it doesn't, you need some help. All right. If you're still grieving about Bambi's mom, then something's bad wrong. Okay. Bambi's mom wasn't real. Uh, she died, but she wasn't real. Now, God wants us to have a lasting grief about sin. That's what lamentation is about. Now, look at verse 2. She weepeth sore in the night. Now, look, this is not just something that you can sleep off. This is something that's keeping her up. She's grieving over the effects of sin. So Lamentations is much more than just crying. Why? Because through Lamentations, God accomplishes something that oftentimes is not accomplished unless we get there. Oftentimes, God has to allow us to lament, to grieve like she's grieving in verse number two in order to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our life. And I want to tell you something tonight. If we're going to help America, by the way... The answer is going to come from this room, God's people, his house. That's where the answer is going to come from. If my people, and you go on down in 714, what does it say? Turn from their wicked ways. That means we've got to feel about sin the way God feels about sin, not the way we think about sin anymore. All right? Now, hear me out. Hear me out. If we're going to help America, we've got to learn to lament sin, not just cry about it. Look, we've come to altar many times, and we've cried about sin, and we go back out, and we jump right back into the midst of the slop. We've got to learn to lament sin, all right? And lamenting is something way deeper than just crying about it. And tonight, we're going to look at that lesson if we could. Number three in this series is the lesson of lamenting, all right? The lesson of lamenting. And we're going to see exactly what it means to lament and how we need to tonight in order to help our country. Now, verse 2 says, She weepeth sore in the night. Have you ever been brokenhearted about something? And you went to bed, you slept it off, and you woke up and you felt better. All right? Maybe it was a football team. You know, maybe you missed out on all you could eat ribs at your favorite rib restaurant, and you went home you cried about it. And you went to sleep, and you woke up, and everything was all right the next morning, all right? Some of you are smiling on that one. Oh, I didn't know that was a real one. I was just throwing that out hypothetically. But evidently, some of you have been there. I guess that the ribs were good enough. But notice the Bible says here, she weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. The Bible says, out of all of her lovers, there's none there to give her comfort. Now, here's what's happened. Satan has convinced her Jerusalem, God's people, that they need to go down the path that they went down. So Satan is always there to make the sale. Remember this. Satan's always going to be there to make the sale, but he's never there to pay the bill, is he? Satan's always there to sell you the bill of goods, to go in a certain direction, but he's not going to be there when it comes time to pay the bill. And now Jerusalem's paying the bill, and she's all by herself. But in this grief, look, this is not crying over Bambi's mother in verse 2 this is something a little bit deeper. In the midst of her grief, we're going to see the first point, and I'm gonna give you a word. Brother Michael and Miss Pam both told me it's a real word, and so I believe it's a real word, even though the internet may say it's not a real word. Number one, I want you to see the neglection of lamenting, all right? The neglection of lamenting. Now, this is important. I want you to mark your place in Lamentations one and turn back to Jeremiah four, all right? Mark your place in Lamentations one and go back to Jeremiah chapter number four. Now, hear me out. Lamentations is the aftermath of what they did not do in Jeremiah. All right? Jeremiah got up and preached, and he preached, and he preached, turned back to God, repent, 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 Turn back to God. They didn't do it. And so lamentations is what happens when you don't repent. But let's go back and see what Jeremiah preached to them to do before destruction. Jeremiah 4, look at verse 1. If thou wilt return, O Israel... Saith the Lord, return unto me, and if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, abomination that's sin, that's wickedness of what God calls sin, then shalt thou not remove. But watch this. Jeremiah's preaching prior to Lamentations, get right with God. All right? Get right with God. Turn back to him. You go on down, verse 2, all the way down through about verse number 6. He's telling them what they need to do to get right with God. Watch verse 7. The lion has come up from his thicket. This is speaking of Nebuchadnezzar. And the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make thy land desolate, and thy cities shall uh, to make thy land desolate, and thy cities shall be laid waste without an inhabitant. Watch verse eight. For this gird you with sackcloth. What's the next word? Lament and howl. Lament and howl. What is he saying? He's saying, cry out to God. Now watch this. You got to see this tonight. Lamentations, what are they doing? They're lamenting. They're finally crying out, but they're crying out on the back side of things. They're crying out after the destruction has come. Verse 7 says, The lion's coming, the destroyer's coming, problems are coming. So, what was the answer? Verse 8, he says, Lament. Lament. You better cry over your situation. You better cry over your sin. You better cry over how low you've gotten. You better cry over abandoning God. You better cry after, uh, cry over seeking out idols. Cry now. Why? Because if you don't cry now, you're going to cry later. This is what he's telling them. But the reason we're reading what we're reading in Lamentations 1 is because they didn't lament in Jeremiah 4. They neglected lamenting. You see, the greatness of their grief, I have my pages marked with a nice bright, uh, bright purple post-it, so I'm going to turn back to lamentations. When we read in verse number two, she's weeping sore, she's lamenting. And the greatness of her grief, why is she up all night crying alone? Well, she's lamenting now because she didn't lament before. Can I tell you one thing is certain? The Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. That means if there's a price for sin, there's a price for sin. And by the way, there is a price for sin. And we will lament sin either on the front side or the back side. And God in his loving kindness sent a prophet by the name of Jeremiah and begged them, turn back to God, turn back to God, turn back to God. He says, listen, how? I mean, look, that's not just shedding a tear, He says, lament and how, get right with God, call out to God. And yet they neglected lamenting in chapter 4, and now we see them lamenting in chapter number 1. He says, cry out to God. Cry out to God. Can I tell you why? You better cry out to God now before you cry out to God later. In Lamentations, is a whole book of people that are crying out to God, but they're crying out to God in the aftermath of destruction. Now, folks, listen, this has got to begin with God's people tonight. We as God's people have to learn to cry out to God before we cry out to God in the aftermath of sin. There's nothing wrong with turning to God before you get to the dead end. I know we hear testimonies all the time, and I thank God for redemption. But we don't have to wait till we get to the end of the road to turn back to God. We can do that right now. You know, you don't have to wait until the road runs out before you decide, you know what, I want to turn around and get back to get where I need to be before God. Give an example In our cars we have these dummy lights And these dummy, these dummy signals You know that's what they call them I'm not insulting anybody I know that's probably politically correct, incorrect to use those words But that's just what it is And they ding ding don't they Ding, ding. But Brother Edwards and I went to uh, Brother Steen's funeral today Preached it in Foxworth And I pray for uh, Brother Arlen Steen's family As they're continuing to grieve And we got in the car And uh, the car has those little ding dings You know what I'm talking about Shake your head, don't make me feel bad. We get in, and it kept ding, ding. Brother Edwards wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Evidently, he doesn't have much experience riding with me. Or he would put the seatbelt on as soon as he got in the car. It kept ding, ding. What is it doing? It's reminding him, hey, put the seatbelt on. This guy's a nut. You've never ridden with him before. Look, he'll get you killed out there. So finally, Brother Edwards heard the ding, ding, and he he buckled up his seatbelt. Years ago, I preached a message to our church in Louisiana called turning a deaf ear to the ding, ding. The Holy Spirit of God is that ding, ding. The Holy Spirit of God's reminding you, look, anytime you sin, listen to something on the radio you shouldn't be listening to, watching something on the TV you shouldn't be watching, listening to something you shouldn't be listening to, saying something you ain't supposed to be saying, the Holy Spirit, ding, 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 ding. Thank God for that, by the way. Ding, ding. He's reminding you, hey, Not good. Not good. Sin bringeth forth death. You see, that's why God reminds you of our sin. He's not rubbing your face in it. He knows that the end of sin is death, and the Holy Spirit of God is showing us our sin. But you know what we learn to do? We learn to turn a deaf ear to the ding-ding. We learn to ignore it. We don't listen to it. It's trying to signal us. Hey, put your seatbelt on. Hey, put your seatbelt on. Hey, your oil light. Ding-ding. 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 And then the smoke starts billowing out of our hood. I wonder what that is. We just keep on driving. And we ignore all of the signs. And then we hear this noise in our motor. What is that? I don't know. And we just keep on driving. Hey, it gave you every signal that you could get that something was wrong. And you didn't respond to that. You neglected lamenting early. And now you're lamenting late. What's happening in, lament, uh, in lamentations is a neglection of lamenting. Here's what we've got to learn to do. Remember this truth tonight. The key is to grieve about sin before you grieve over sin. The key tonight is we've got to learn to grieve about sin before you're grieved by sin. Do you know I know a lot of people tonight, they're grieved by sin. They've got sin in their lives, in their hearts, and in their family, and they've got it in their life, and they're being grieved by sin. Sin is a pest. Oh, it is a pest. But you know why they're being grieved by sin? Because on the backside, they're being grieved by something that they weren't grieved about on the front side. If we just be grieved about it in the beginning, we wouldn't be grieved by it in the end. John Wesley said this. Hear this out. The neglect of prayer is a grand hindrance to holiness. Now, let's break this down. The neglect of prayer is a grand hindrance to holiness. Now, what is holiness? By the way, it's still in the Bible. Righteousness, holiness, separation, it's still in there. You know, we go back and look and and see if it's faded away. It hasn't faded away. It's still there. As far as I know, they're still putting it in there. Wesley said, the neglect of prayer is the grand hindrance to holiness. Holiness is when we're standing unrighteous and not right before God. It's when we've been dirtied up by the world. And when we get to that place, what do we do? We're all mired up and messy and dirty, and we call out to God. Now, wait a minute. We wait until we get all dirtied up and fouled up, and we're losing the potential to serve God, to finally call out to God, when if we had just called out to God in the beginning, it have kept us from getting dirty at the end. You see how that works? Look, oftentimes we turn to God as that emergency services to get us out of trouble, Watch this, I'm going to tell you something, this may blow your mind The same God that can get you out of trouble Can keep you out of trouble Write that down You know, we we get in trouble and man, something going on in our life And we turn to the word of God and we're looking at the word of God I need an answer, I need an answer But the sad thing is we go looking for answers After we get in trouble When the answers were there to keep us out of trouble But here's the problem We neglect it on the front side And we finally cry out for it on the back side The book of Lamentations it's just a record of the neglect of lamenting on the front side. Proverbs 5, I want you to hear this. Proverbs 5, 1, it talks, talks about avoiding the strange woman, hearing the instruction, and being careful of the strange women. And boy, I want to tell you, there's some strange ones out there. There's some strange men out there too. Some half and half, I don't know. But um, there's some strange folks out there in the world. The Bible gives us a lot of warning in Proverbs about that strange woman. It says, hear, my son. Hear the instruction. Hear it. Watch this. Hear it on the front side. Hear it on the front side. Don't neglect it. Hear it on the front side. Why? Listen to what the Bible says. It goes on in Proverbs chapter 5 to say on the back side. Listen. That if you don't hear it on the front, this is what you'll say. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. Oh, if every teenager in here tonight could get that one. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me, exclamation point. Look, thou mourn at the last. You know what that is? Lamenting. You're grieving over where you've become. Because you didn't grieve on the front side enough to receive the instruction. Folks, look, we cannot neglect this book and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God and expect good things to happen. It's not, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Righteousness will exalt a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Don't think you're going to skirt it. My wife was joking this week about how many people you talk to and you share with them the principles of the Word of God, and you can tell they think they're exempt. Like, yeah, I sure hope they're listening to that. I'm like, no, man, you. Not you, Brother Edwards, but you. I got to point neutrally in the middle, all right? You're like, man, look, be careful about this and your family. Watch that, you know, and all this, that, and the other. Yeah, I'm telling you, I've been watching so-and-so at the church, and I think you're right. No, man, it's you. Sin is a reproach to any people. Sin will bring all of us down. And if you don't fear it enough on the the beginning, on the front side, to receive it, then you're going to grieve over it on the back side. It's a guarantee from the word of God. The Bible says, thou mourn at the last. Can I give you a novel idea? Why don't we decide to mourn at the beginning? To be grieved at the beginning. Let's not neglect what the word of God says about sin. Revelation chapter 2, the church at Thyatira. Oh boy, this one hit home with me today. Revelation chapter two, verse number eighteen, uh, the letter to the church at Thyatira. Listen to what God says about this church. And I want you to let this settle in a little bit, okay? Because I think you're going to see a picture of the modern church a little bit here. He tells them. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to turn there. Turn there with me. I want you to see it for yourself. That way, you don't know, think I'm lying. Some of you sometimes after me after church, did that really happen? I'm like, no, I lied to you behind the pulpit. Of course, it happened. Revelation chapter 2, look down to, the verse, to verse 18. And to the angel of the church at Thyatira, write these things, saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. Watch verse 19. I know thy works. He always does. And charity and service and faith. Now stop right there. These are good things. Aren't you glad God doesn't just focus on the negative? Take this as a good example. You shouldn't focus on the negative either. Focus on all of it. He says, I know thy works, thy charity, service, and faith. Look, I believe those are things we have in our church. I believe we have good works, we have charity, we have service, we have faith. There's people out here today cutting the grass, there's people cutting the hedges. we got people ministering to people in our church with meals. There's good stuff happening in our church, and that's great. But watch this. He says in verse 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, not politically correct, is it, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, which, by the way, God still calls a sin, and to eat things, sacrificed and idols. Now watch this. God says in spite of all the good things you're doing, your charity, all the good works you're doing, your patience, those are good things. God says, I'm not taking that away from you, but I have something against you. And he uses a word that we don't use very often, the word us. He said, I have something against you because of what you're allowing You're allowing that woman over there who calls herself a prophet to live. All right? Now, don't get excited. We're not going after Joyce Meyer. You know, we're not getting a band of folks with the torches and pitchforks to go check. No, we're not going to do that tonight. But watch this. He says, you've done all of this good stuff, but what I have a problem with is the things you're neglecting. What he says, and the things they were neglecting were going to cost them dearly. Do you know what's costing us tonight? What's costing us is the things we're neglecting. Man, our church has done so many good things. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I believe the reason the Lord, we had our financial meeting last Sunday night, talked about the new children's wing and the the facelift on the front and all the things the Lord's going to bless us hopefully this year to be able to accomplish for his glory. And all those things are great, but there's no way we can do all of those good things and neglect the sin in our lives and expect God to bless it. God's not going to bless it. We're going to lament on the backside when we should have lamented on the front side. I had someone ask me the other day, how could God allow all of this to happen to his people? Do you know how it must have hurt God to have to watch his children go through what they're going through in Lamentations? He's a holy, just, and righteous God, but he's also long-suffering. He looks down and he sees the place, the city, where his name was set. And he's watching that lion come up out of the grass in Jeremiah 4. He knows they're fixing to get devoured. And he sat back and he watched it happen. Somebody asked me, how could God sit back and allow all of those things to happen? Let me tell you why. Because he knew the end of sin would be way worse than the end of his chastening. Now listen to that. As much as it hurt him to chasten his children through the difficult circumstances, he knew that they would be better off through the pain of chastening then the pain of feeling the end of their sin. And I look at America tonight. Oh, no, it doesn't feel good. It feels like we got lions coming up all out of the grass. And it feels like we're that, that lone gazelle. You ever watch those National Geographics? That poor little old gazelle is just standing out there looking around. And we're watching. And that lion, you see the tails in the grass. And they're coming over toward him. And you're like, poor little guy. My daughter's like, turn the channel, Dad. Turn the channel you about crying. She's, she's crying over an animal that's thousands of miles away, and we see it coming. How it grieves the heart of God to know those lions are coming up on us. You're thinking, why would God let us go through this? Why would God let us grieve the way that we're grieving? I mean, today was our sixth funeral in six weeks. I got a phone call just a few minutes from walking over here. One of my old church members passed away from COVID just a few minutes ago. Be another funeral I go to next week. Funeral after funeral. Why are we going through all of this grief? Why are we going through this grief in America? You say, this hurts. How could a loving God let us hurt this way? I'll tell you why. He's trying to get us to lament before we lament. He's trying to get us to Jeremiah chapter 4 before we get to Lamentations chapter 1. But if we keep neglecting to lament over sin, we're going to lament over sin. But it's going to be too late. Lamentations is a book of what happening happens after sin moves through. So number one, notice we see the neglection of lamenting. Now I look back to verse 2 quickly. I'm going to hurry. She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers she hath none to comfort her. Now this is important. There's no one to comfort her there. This is important to see because it's a vital truth we've got to understand. For a while, Jerusalem, God's people had turned to this. For What they thought they needed They had turned to this group And to this God And to that thing To supply what they thought they needed And now here she is Sitting all alone Solitary With no one to comfort her Now watch this Who's the only person Left to turn to? God As hard as the first part of verse 2 is Do you know it'd be worth it if it helped them turn their direction and attention back to God That's the second thing I want you to see tonight Is Notice the direction of lamenting Finally in her lamentation God's people Turned their attention to where it should have been All along You see God wasn't just trying to make them cry Alright God doesn't just want to make you feel bad There's a few people like that in this world and I don't understand them I don't like making people cry I really don't God's not interested in us just coming down and crying about our circumstances and crying because we got caught, no. God's not interested in just making us cry. Do you know what God uses lamentations to do? It helps us to know who to cry to. I want you to think about that. Israel had turned to this lover. The Bible uses those words in Lamentations 2, chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. Everybody that she had turned to was no longer there. And now there's only one person left to turn to. And in her greatness of her grief, watch this, her lamentations have turned her attention back to where it should have been all along. Now, folks, I don't like what we're going through as a nation. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. Having a 13-year-old daughter, it scares me to death. Think about the world that she's going to grow up in, and she is growing up in. I can imagine you folks who have little children. Listen, you better walk with God. And you better put that walk with God inside of them as best you can, because they're going to need it more than anything else in the world. And yet we're going through this grief, and you know what it's made me do even as your pastor? It's made me look to God like never before. You know, oftentimes in our life, we find different things to fill voids, don't we? We're all guilty of it. I am one of those, uh, what did you call me the other day? My wife called me a name. Let's go down the list of names you've called me lately. Uh, uh, you know, when you're grieving, you eat out of grief. What is that called? I can't remember. It's just something along that line. She's looking at me like, what are you talking about? Look, I'm not lying in church. You can't lie in church, okay? You know, about Ananias and Sapphira? I'm just throwing that out there. Anyway, some of you know your Bible, you get it. Some of you don't know your Bible, you don't get it. But you know, when you get grieving, you're having a tough day, you eat to make you feel better? That's my problem. I know some of you got the same problem I got. Some of you shop to make you feel better, and your husband hates that that is your reflex that you do. You go out and you shop, it makes you feel better. I seem to go buy something. I knew a couple years ago, when they would have trouble in their marriage, not too terribly long after that, they'd have a child. They called it their makeup baby. They had a child. He said, you know, every time we have a child, our marriage is good. And so when things are bad, we just have another child, and things are good for about a whole year. I'm thinking, man, that's not a good solution to this. Number one, you're going to go broke. Number two, how sad is that, you know? Have all these kids that are there. And we have all these things we turn to to make the situation better, don't we? We shop, we eat, we spend more money, go buy toys. We feel better for a little while. And although it may fill the need, it doesn't fix the need, does it? Went down the road, our, our, our road that we live on today, and uh, I heard these rocks kicking up under our car, <laughs> and I knew, what, I knew what had happened. Our, our fateful municipality had come through and filled a pothole, and I appreciate that. Uh, there's just a dip in the road where the asphalt is kind of sunken in, and rather than fix the pothole, you know what they did? They just threw some asphalt over it. <laughs> if you did that in my driveway, I appreciate it. I really do. I really do. It's not going to last, but I appreciate that. They'll just throw some more asphalt over in there, and it'll fill the hole, but watch this, it won't fix the hole. Oftentimes in our life, we have these lovers. The Bible speaks about in Lamentations 1-2. We have these things we turn to, and it'll, it'll, it'll fix the momentary need, but it doesn't fix the problem. Okay? And finally, what God do? God comes through like a domino, and he knocks all of them down. Boom, 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 boom. He takes away the money. He takes away the stuff. He takes away everything that we turn to to fill that void, but not fix the void. And the only thing we're left with is turning to God. How often in our sin, in our trouble, in our crisis, in our calamity, do we turn to God finally? And in the end, can I tell you something? If it took the lamentations to do that, it'd be worth it. For finally for America to turn back to God. Jeremiah 4, I'm going to flip back. I want to read something for you. out that same passage. Jeremiah 4 1, if thou wilt return, O Israel, saith what? The Lord. Verse 2, and thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth. Verse 3, for thus saith the Lord. So why do you keep repeating that? Watch this. He was spelling it out for them. The answer is the Lord. He was trying to say, hint, 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 it's the Lord. You're looking to this lover and this lover and this lover. Turn your direction. Turn your attention. It's the Lord. He tried to tell them. And finally, when they would not listen to what he told them through the prophet Jeremiah, he allowed the grievous circumstances to come to finally get them to the place where everything else was gone and they had to turn to the Lord. Now, remember, folks, it doesn't have to take that. You don't have to let God be your last resort It could be your first resort right now. You may be somewhere along the line of all the lovers of life, and maybe you have a love of pleasure or or the lover of things or the lover of money, and those things work right now. Yeah, they'll work for a little while. That's what did Moses say? He says he chose to suffer affliction with with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Look, the pleasure does last a season. Okay, I'm not saying that it's not going to be an enjoyable pleasure while you're there, but I assure you it's not going to last. God says, give up on that lover, give up on that lover. It's not going to last. You better go with the only one. Turn your direction back to the one who's going to supply not only to fill the problem, but fix the problem. And yet God allows lamentations to come along for finally they realize, okay, everybody else is gone. I have to turn back to God. Now, I was asking Miss, uh, Miss Laura today, by the way, happy anniversary to you guys. I was asking her today about a song i heard years ago, and she gave me the title to it, but I forgot it, so I called her back again today. Hey, what was the title of that song? Uh, and the song's title is Lean On Me. No, not the one you're thinking. You're smiling again. You know what that means? Yeah, shame on you, shame on you. The song goes like this. When no one cared about me if I should live or die, and no one bothered asking why I'd go alone and cry. When burdens got so heavy that I could not face the day, Then I'd feel his arms around me, and I'd hear him gently say, Lean on me when you have no strength to stand. When you feel you're going under, hold tighter to my hand. Lean on me when your heart begins to bleed. When you come to the place that I'm all you have, then you'll find I'm all you need. When you come to the place where I'm all you have, you'll find I'm all you need. But I'll tell you this, you don't have to wait until you come to the place where he's all you have God doesn't have to take away all of the lovers out of your life. He doesn't have to take all of that away. But watch this. If he does, and it takes that for you to realize he was all that you ever need, it'd be worth it for you to realize, without him I can do nothing. Number two, the direction of lamenting. God uses lamenting to help turn our direction back to him. 2 Kings chapter 1, we have the story of King Ahaziah. You know the story, he fell through the lattice, he was hurt, he was grievously injured, was wondering whether he was going to survive or not. And so rather than turn to God, he turned to the magic eight ball of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. He goes and says, hey, am I going to live or am I going to die? I need to know the answer. And so rather than turn to God for the need that he was grieved over, he turned to this false god of Beelzebub and God saw it, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, the holding the evil and the good. He sent Elijah over there to him to ask him this question. Is it not because there's not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? He goes on to tell him, you're not going to get up out of that bed. You're going to die. He says, why didn't you go to God? You had this great need. You were grieved in your life. Why didn't you go to God? Why didn't you turn to everything else first? He says, look, because you turned to everything else first, you're not going to get up. You're going to die there. And we read that story, how heartbreaking it is, and yet we're just as guilty as old Ahaziah, aren't we? We turn to everything else. Having trouble in our marriage? Honey, Google it. How to save my home. Google don't know nothing. Can I tell you? I know the one, personally, who created the home. I know him. I know him. I talk with him. And I have his book on marriage in the home right here. And yet, I had a lady one time, she called me. We we're cleaning out the camp cabins before camp, and the phone rang. Hello? I need a book. I said, who is this? She told me who it was. I need a book. I said, why? My marriage is in trouble. I need a book. I said, hey, I got a book. I was so excited. I was like, I know the answer to that one. I hate it when folks ask me biblical questions I don't have the answer to. You know, who was related to who and their second cousins and all of this. I don't know who all that was. I said, I know the answer to that one. I got a book. And I started giving her scripture. She goes, no, I need a book, a self-help book. I said, I got one. I got one. I really do got one. When you got a right answer, you feel good about it. You ask my wife, and I got a right answer to questions question she asked me, I feel so good. Man, I feel like a manly man, an American man, because I got the answer she's looking for. She said, no, I need a book. I need you to recommend me a book. And I kept trying, and I kept trying, and I kept trying. She was not interested in this book. She neglected this book. Her home just shattered, shattered to a million pieces. Why? Because she wouldn't heed the direction. Look, God's got direction for your home here. This is my first year raising a teenager. Look, I'm raising a teenager in 2021. 2021. Alright teenagers are weird And now we're living in a really weird year In a really weird world Oh can I tell you what I've been doing I've been going to the book on teenagers Ecclesiastes 12 Really really good chapter on teenagers And I've been talking to the one who created that teenager Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth I get to talk to the manufacturer of my teenager What do you do when your blender breaks? You call the Ford company Right? Hey, my blender's broke. They said, listen, man, all we do is transmissions and mufflers. Well, that's when your truck breaks. You know, you don't call down the local Sunbeam Bakery. Hey, my transmission's slipping. You're thinking, why on earth would you do that? I don't know. But I wonder, why on earth do we turn to everything else to find direction in our home, and yet the word of God's got it? Is this truth or is it not? I believe it's truth. Look, I'm going to squeeze the ink out of some of these verses. I'm going to squeeze the ink out of it. Why? Because this is the only truth that's out there, and I'm going to turn to this for the direction that I need. And if we expect to lead America back to God, it's going to begin with God's people realizing that He was the one we should have turned to to begin with. We talk about the world. We just need the world to turn to God. No, we need the church to turn back to God. Our churches have become entertainment stations, and folks leave church feeling good, but that's about it. It didn't make it past their goosebumps. I like some good goosebumps every once in a while. I watched a little movie the other night, man. It kind of creeped me out a little bit. Had my wife go with me to the house. I do a booger check every night at our house. Don't you ever come try to hide out of my house. You're going to die. <laughs> Don't I do it every night? We've been married 15 years. 15 years. Every night I go check every room, every closet, every night. Why? No chances. But I have got to shoot my new gun yet. I'm just hoping sooner or later. I said, one day you're going to hire somebody to hang out in that closet to scare me, and they're going to die. I can't remember where I was going with that story. We'll loop it on back around. It is a scary world. You better have the right answers. I want you to understand something tonight. The direction for our homes, the direction for our children, the direction for our church, it's not going to, listen, it's not going to be in our goosebumps. We've got to have something a little bit more meaning. We've got to have the right direction. That's what he's doing here. Look, verse 2, there's no one to comfort her. Finally, God is the only choice for her. I asked a teenager this one time. Teenagers living in rebellion. And I love teenagers. I was a youth pastor. We lived in a youth camp and love teenagers. I want to see them become what God meant for them to become. I started serving God as a teenager, and I'm, I'm a little older teenager now, but I'm still kind of young at heart. Even though I'm not young in hair, I'm young at heart. And uh, I've loved serving God with my life. And I want them to find that I really do and so I love teenagers and I want to help them find what God wants them to find but I asked a teenager who was in rebellion a while back I asked him this question what is it going to take what is it going to take what would God have to do to finally get you to check up and say you know what maybe I should listen he started naming some things well if this happened to my mom or will this happen? And here's my next question follow up question number two. Is that what it's going to take? But I ask him. Is that what it's going to take? Can I ask you tonight? What would it take for you to finally get your direction pointed toward God? Would it have to be something to your children? Would it have to be something to your home? Would it have to be something in your own personal life? Would it have to be your health? What would it be tonight that it took you to finally get to the place where you lament sin? What would it take for you to finally turn your attention and direction back to God as the only hope for what you need? What would it take? Now here's my second question. Is that what it's going to take? Because in the end, it'd be worth it if we finally lamented sin. Psalms 18, 6, David says this, In my distress I called upon the Lord, and I cried unto my God. The sad thing is oftentimes that's the case. It's in our distress that we call to God. We lament. Finally, we cry out to God. Look, God's not trying to get us to cry. God's trying to get us to cry out to him. That's the direction of lamenting. Let me give you the last thing and we're done. Verse 2, she weepeth sore in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Now, we're about to see probably the greatest truth about lamenting. Jerusalem's gotten to a place where she now understands how God feels about sin. And I want you to hear this. Oftentimes, we mock at sin. The Bible says fools do that. We mock at sin. We watch it on television, sitcoms, they mock at sin. And we laugh at it. We're just as guilty as they are. You know, I've told you many times, I'm going to tell you again. Look, the things we watch on television, we post on social media, the sitcoms we watch that make them mock at sin, we're just as guilty as they are. We watch this stuff, and we post it on Facebook, all these things. We're just as guilty as they are. We joke about sin. We joke about fornication and adultery. We joke about drinking and all. We joke about those things. Only fools make a mock at sin. And we don't take it seriously the way we should. I'm talking about God's people. But finally, watch this. God brings destruction. God brings grief. And we have this sorrow. Night, the Bible says, our tears are on our cheeks. And we sit there all alone. And finally, finally we understand how God feels about sin because God grieves sin and God grieves over sin. The third thing I want to show you real quickly, when we finally lament over sin, our hearts are finally connected to God's and that's number three. Notice the connection of lamenting. When we grieve over sin, we are finally connecting our heart to God's heart. Can I tell you why? Why? Because God has grieved over sin. God says, that's how, that's how I feel. Do you know how you feel right now when you're grieving over destruction and the pain? God says, that's how I feel. God says, when I see a family on the verge of splitting up, that's how I feel. God says, when I see a young person going off in rebellion, hey, I want you to know that's how I feel, how you're feeling right now. And one of the few things we can get out of this that's positive as we grieve tonight as a country at what we're going through This is the way God has felt about sin all along. What what have we been saying? This doesn't feel good. This hurts. I don't like the path that we're on. This just grieves us. We shouldn't be having to teach our children to shoot pistols so they could defend our home. We shouldn't be having to stockpile food and all these. I don't like this. God says, I've never liked it, I've never liked sin. And finally, when we get to the place where we lament and cry out to God, God says, finally, you know how I feel. Your heart's connected with my heart. And it took that grief to understand that connection. Unfortunately, we have had a lot of our dear ladies lately. I mean, four or five of them in January become widows. I keep using the word unfathomable because it is just unfathomable and I've had a couple of them come up to me and say I think I'd like to help get a widow's ministry established here at our church They says, you know what I know what she's going through because I just went through it too and I know what she's going through because I, I, I just went through that a few weeks ago I mean one every week every week this year and you know what established that connection It was the grief. I now know how you feel. You know, I don't know what it's like to be a spouse who loses a spouse. I don't know what that feels like. I hope I never know what that feels like. But there's people who've gone through that grief and they've created a connection because now they know how that feels. And folks, tonight, can I tell you what God wants us to do as we go through this grief because of sin? Look. You can talk to your blue in the face. You'll never convince me that what America is going through right now is because of nothing else than sin. That's it. It's a reproach to any people. And we're sitting here. We're like, this hurts. I don't like this. This grieves me. Grieves me to wake up in this world. Grieves me to wake up in this world where I mean, if you do anything in the name of God, you're persecuted. Don't even mention God's name. I mean, folks, we're just at the beginning of this thing right now. We're like, this this world, I feel so misplaced. I feel out of place. God says that's the way you should have been feeling all along. You don't belong here. And it took our grief to finally connect our heart with God's, to know how he has felt all along. Do you remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah asked one of his brethren back from Jerusalem after it was destroyed How are things back home and what did he say? The city's in great reproach sin is a reproach to any people So the walls are down the gates are burned with fire. And what did Nehemiah do the Bible says and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days Do you know what Nehemiah is doing? He's grieving He's lamenting over sin. And finally, Nehemiah is now understanding how God felt the entire time that his people were chasing after their lovers. God said, that's how I felt all along. Grieved over it. In Genesis, the Bible says in chapter 6, verse number 6, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. God was grieved. He looked down at the world that had denied him and a world that had gone off chasing every witch lover they could. God looked down and it grieved him. Can I tell you something? There'll be no revival in America. America's not going to be turning back to God until we feel about sin the way God feels about sin. We don't mock at it no more. We don't laugh at it anymore. We don't post about it lightheartedly. Why? Because until we grieve about sin the way God grieves about sin, things are not going to change. And finally, Nehemiah is broken. He's broken. He weeps for days. I wonder tonight what it would take us to weep for days. And then I wonder is that what it's going to take? That we weep and we mourn and we lament. And finally, we feel about sin the way God feels about sin. We hurt the way that God hurts. And God says, okay, finally, I hear your cry. The Bible says that he could heal and will heal our land. Acts 17, I'll give you this real quick and I'm done. Acts 17, the apostle Paul was waiting at Athens. I don't know exactly how this went down, but I see the apostle Paul looking over the city of Athens, just a wicked metropolis of ungodliness. Paul looks over the city and the Bible says this in Acts 17, 16, his spirit was stirred in him. When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. He was grieved. Look at the people and all of their idols. He was grieved. Do you know why Paul was used of God? Because Paul felt about sin the same way God felt about sin. It grieved him. It grieved him. Folks, until we get to that place, I don't think we're going to see any change in America. Because what has got us to the place of lamenting is not feeling about sin the way God feels about sin. God don't joke about it. God don't joke about it. You look at Sodom and Gomorrah. It's not far down the road for the United States of America. We glorify that lifestyle. Sodom and Gomorrah, God rained down fire and brimstone. Why? Because that's how he feels about sin. That's how he feels about sin. Folks, until we feel the way that God feels... I hate to tell you, then we're going to lament on the backside rather than on the front side. So tonight, the lesson of lamenting in verse number two is simply this. God gives us heed and God gives us warning in his word. But if we don't heed Jeremiah 4, we're going to live Lamentations 1. If we don't lament on the front side and cry out to God on the front side, we're going to cry out to God on the backside. If we neglect to lament when we need to lament, he said, what does it do? It gives us direction. Why don't you let the grief we've been going through direct you back to God? There's been nothing on earth I could throw in the pothole of last year. There's nothing we could throw at that pothole last year and fill it up. But I'll tell you something. I turned to the Lord last year more than in ways that I've never had before. And He didn't just fill the pothole. He fixed the pothole. That lamenting gave me direction. And then finally, could we just... Kind of sympathize with God a little bit tonight and learn to feel the way that he feels about sin. God does not joke about it It's a serious thing to God and if we would learn to lament and be grieved about what God's grieved about Maybe there's some hope for revival in America But I'm going to tell you this God's not interested in us just crying We Come down to an altar and we cry just a little bit and we go back out and we live just like the world again No, no, that's not lamenting. That's just crying God needs us to lament, to cry out to Him as our only hope for the things we're going to need in the days that are ahead. Tonight, God wants.